It's Sunday, April 15th, and you are listening to In the Wheelhouse. ITW is a weekly podcast on the Chicago Cubs and other ancillary topics. I'm Leo Fontana. And I'm Tom Hockney. Uh, Today on ITW, we will talk about the week that was in the majors, and we'll see if we can figure out how to get the Cubs back to where they need to be at the championship level. Also, I will tell you about my uh, first uh, Cubs home game this season. We'll explore the growing problem of attendance around the league. Um, And uh, that's it. Good morning, Leo. How are you? Good, man. How are you? It's good to to see you. It's good to hear you. I'm I'm sitting up and uh, taking nourishment. (laughs) <laughs> I just have my bottled water. Uh, I didn't make coffee this morning, but, uh, you know, I'm ending a job and I am starting another one. I'm going to be resigning from Chicago public schools wow. this week. And, uh, you know, and then I'm going to be starting a job in Elgin next fall doing dual language, uh, out there, uh, in a Spanish English dual language program. And CPS has offered me a thousand dollars. If I give them the kiss off before the end of this month, and they'll give me my health care through to the end of August. So uh, that's very exciting, I guess. After 10 years of uh, serving in some of the toughest neighborhoods in the city, I get a thousand bucks extra. Well, nice. so, so I know that it's sometimes not easy resigning from the Chicago um public schools right like that it's not that it's not an easy process like you just go in and say hey here's my two-week notice particularly when this the year isn't complete right obviously no the, the school year's not over no and i'll finish the school year oh you um, will be, yeah i will finish the school year and and i'm gonna you know i'm waiting for some paperwork to kind of come in and once i get that you know i just go in and and just tell them hey i'm done and uh you know there'll be stuff i'll have to sign my pension will have to be transferred. All these things will have to happen. And I'm sure it'll be, it, it won't be a painless process, but it certainly will be one. It'll certainly be amount of pain that I'm happy to endure you know, so, because I, I'm just done there, man. I'm done. The, no, I understand that. But it's also my understanding that the Elgin uh, public school uh, system is not the greatest in the world either. Right. It's not. It, it, it's it t- is tell the me. Sec- it's the second largest school system in the state of Illinois, which wow. I was surprised to find out. Yeah, yeah, I did not know that. They have seven high schools. You know, they have about 150 elementary and middle schools. And, you know, whether it's good or bad, I really don't care sure. about. I just need to see a different situation. Sure, I need sure. To, I, need, I need to be in a situation where it's going to be majority Hispanic, where I feel like, I don't know, my personality, my attitude, my background – will give me more of an edge than it does with African-American kids who, for some reason, you know, they're just not ready to listen to me. You know, huh. they're not ready. The, the real hard cases aren't ready to listen to me, you know. And, and, that, and we've known because we've discussed this in the past that that's what you've dealt with is a yeah. lot of very, you know, kudos to you for making the commitment to trying to change um, these kids lives and 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 as we know it's not really all on the kids uh in the african-american community i i would put it more on the parents just like i would on the hispanic community or any other areas where you're not performing up to 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 what the standards are um but i but what i've witnessed just observing uh and talking to you about this is that that kind of a job is can be soul crushing 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, so it's one thing that you have to get up and go and to do a job. And, and it's what I call the, you know, on Sunday afternoon, if you're, if you're fretting about what you have to do on Monday, you've got a bad job and you need yeah. to, to make that, make a change. So it's just one thing to be able to teach young children and, and the satisfaction that comes with the fact that you're helping mold their lives and sending them off on the proper path to being, you know, contributing citizens to our, uh, to our, our country and, and to society but it's a it's a whole nother thing, as far as I'm concerned, when you have to deal with, you know, ancillary things such as, you know, parents showing up to school um, wasted out of their minds with yeah. babies in carts with drugs and, 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 and booze all around. I, I mean, it's just you would think that it, it just sounds to me like it's soul crushing. That's what it what it what it seems like. Tom, Tom that's exactly what it is. And I can't I can't continue. But anyway, let's move on. This is a yep. baseball podcast. I could go on forever. Um, it's been a wild and wacky couple of weeks in Major League Baseball. Right. Up, up is down. Black yeah. is white, and the New York Mets are in first place. <laughs> so, so no, but this Mets team I kind of like, and and they're interesting if you follow them because they they have good starting pitching. They have guys who are you know effective, but now they're getting timely hitting. They seem to be able to catch the ball. They have that thing that all successful Mets teams have to have. Good pitching combined with camaraderie, and uh, they have a great clubhouse. What can you say? Well, you know, last year they really were extremely unlucky, and they were extremely unhealthy, so much so that I think for the first time that I can remember, at least in the last 20 years, in the offseason, the Mets fired everybody on the health side. Everybody, yeah. All the conditioning people all the trainers, are, yeah. uh, were, were, were shown the door. And the reason is, is because, especially last April and May, seemingly every day somebody was going down. And so there was a lot of expectations for the Mets last year. They have one of the best rotations in baseball. And so I think what you're seeing now is not so much a surprise um, as much as to me, at least, as you know, what took you guys so long? You had so much talent. You know, you were you're one or two years removed from being in the World Series. You summarily dismissed the Cubs in 2015 before we won the World Series. But it's just like it seemed like you, you know, the Mets kind of taken have taken a couple of steps backwards. So I'm not really surprised that they're doing well. I expected them to do well. I think it it says more about other teams in their division than it necessarily says about the Mets. And and I guess I'm talking about the Washington Ball Club, who, if they don't make some type of progress in the postseason this year, I think they need to start to rebuild that team. Um, they're they're going to have to. They're going to because they're going to lose Harper. They're going to lose a lot of you know it it it's now or never. There's an immediacy with the nationals that uh, is a little concerning, you know, they have to do it this year. You're absolutely right. Did you, um, you know, I, I, did you see the brawl between the Yankees and the Red Sox? You know, I'm reminded of the Bugs Bunny cartoon where he says, of course you realize this means war, you know, yeah. it's just, it, it, it's, it's, that's what it is. It is totally on between those teams. And yeah, I, it, I, it, I, it, I just want to say, I thought, I thought the Red Sox looked like a bunch of punks. You know, and yeah. I just, they won it's, the series, but I think it's yeah. it's like when a country the size of the U.S. picks on a country the size of Syria. But uh, <laughs> you're you're right, you're right. From uh, the uh, last week, there was a couple of big brawls in baseball. Yeah, so, there were. But but the Yankee one was very interesting because it was precipitated by um, that Austin, slide, like, that yeah. slide into yeah. second base. Yeah. And I'm telling you, 
he came up Ty Cobb style. I don't care what anybody says. That foot was up, and there's no way yeah. that professional athletes are not in control of that. So that precipitated. He got hit. That's the way baseball works. When you And the other thing, too, is if your spike hits skin on a baseball player, you're going to break skin. That's the way that that works. I mean, normally that's what yeah. you're, you're going to get a cut. And usually that means you're going to get hit in retaliation. So all of the expected uh, effects of what that uh, – guy did who, who caused that that issue um uh were in full full effect i just think it's hilarious i, I it kind of goes back to the nolan ryan uh uh, uh time that robin, robin Ventura, Ventura, think, yeah. like baseball players yeah. just don't know how to fight i, I no, I'm, I'm from detroit and and when you get close to your target you must hit them it's not about riding around and grabbing them or rolling around on the ground. Yeah. That's the part I just, I guess I don't understand when it comes to baseball brawls. Brawls, they end up looking silly to me because, you know, you just, there's hardly any connection. There was a couple of years ago when, uh, uh, the, I, I can't remember the guy's name on, uh, I think it was Texas or Houston, and he clocked uh, Jose Bautista from, from. Oh, rough, rough Ned. Or, yeah, or yeah. He, so that's yeah. the last great you know, punch in baseball. A lot of times it's much ado about nothing. And I I keep seeing Don Zimmer in my head rolling around on the ground against, uh, after Pedro Pedro Martinez Martinez through. Yeah. 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 A lot of these operas turn out to be, you know, comedic operas, I guess is what, what I'm saying. Um, however, if you take a look at the result of it, if, if that was to try to help, Either team, Boston is the one that benefited from it. But not no, I completely disagree. Well, well, no, no, no. Go I'm ahead. just you talking t- about the, the Boston is sitting well on top of that division, and the Yankees pitching is, and because I, I broke it down this morning, their ERA team ERA is terrible, and they're not going anywhere in that division. I don't care how many big behemoths they have on their team; they have to have pitchers win their games. And Boston's twelve and three or twelve and two, and to me, they their ship was not dinged at all. They're continuing on their quest to motor through the Eastern division. Listen, I, I disagree. I, look, <laughs> I know they won. I know the Red Sox took three or four from the, from the Yankees and they, they won the baseball battle. It's clear, but for the long term, I think the Yankees psychologically, they've gotten in their head. The Yankees are a much bigger, stronger, more intimidating team I think the Red Sox, did you see that brawl? I mean, it began as a scrum in the middle of the field and the Yankees players pushed it. They moved it over to the Red Sox dugout with guys like Judge and Stanton and Sanchez, these massive hulking players, you know, just pushing them around. I think the Red Sox look like a bunch of punks. I'm telling okay, you, so it's, it's just a matter of time before they Let, let me together. stop you right there. You have a bias against the Red Sox. I'm not particularly crazy about them either or their history or the fact that they're the biggest racist in all of sports. I, I get that. But the fact is they've made three errors this season. They're playing phenomenal baseball, and the, and the Yankees don't have pitchers. Baseball comes down to pitchers. I'm telling you, look at the look at the ERA of Boston and look at the ERA of Yankees. There's no comparison. Yes, the Yankees are a bunch of collegiate he-men that are pushing these guys around uh, uh, UFC style. That's great, but the game is baseball, and you got to hit the ball, and you got to catch the ball, and you got to pitch the ball, and that's where the Red Sox are better than the Yankees. I don't like the Red Sox any more than you do, but I but I do respect the stats and the facts. I will concede that that I have a Red Sox bias, <clears throat> that I dislike them, and I always have. Right. 
However, however, we, there's also a bias, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, that it's called a two-week bias, <laughs> where we assume the, the bias of two weeks is that we assume <clears throat> that what happened for the last two weeks is going to happen throughout the rest of the season. And, you know, every now and then it does happen, but I, I, I think more unexpected things will happen. I think the Yankees will get it together, and they're going to push those guys right back into their place. All right, so uh, we, we talked a little bit. Nolan Arenado got plunked by the Padres. Right. Some guy, Kelly, and he looked like he was ready to kill him. Right. That was vicious. Yeah. That was really scary. Well, well Arenado is not somebody you want to mess with. He's an extremely powerful guy. And to me, that was a bigger fight because the fact of the matter is, is that um, it uh, was you know, precipitated, um, I think, was that the, what was the Molina thing? Before or after that? That was after that. That was after that. I think it was after. Yeah, no, no. I remember reading about uh, the. Uh, I remember reading about the uh, Arenado thing earlier in the week. So yeah, that was beforehand. So, so like I said, it but, was like a, an interesting week for um, you know uh, these these uh, skirmishes for, for conflict. Right. I mean, right. and and what about Tori Lavulo calling? Calling, uh, you know, Yadier Molina a, co- a motherfucker yeah. twice, yeah. you know, when he's out there arguing with the umpire because Molina is getting, he's framing the pitches better and he's getting calls against the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. That was, I thought, very ugly too. And I think, I think Lavulo was kind of a dick, if you ask me. Yeah, that, that, it, it's weird. Uh, so let me just preface by saying that I think Molina is a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the great catchers in baseball history. That being said, he is a dick. And and I've seen it new I've I've seen it exhibited numerous times. Uh Molina, you think Molina's oh, a dick? Yeah. Or I, oh, I think, yeah. I, I, I thought, think he's, I if he wasn't in baseball, he'd be a gangbanger. He'd be he'd, he'd oh. be in the bloods or the crips. Um I, I just I've seen too many times, at least with the Cubs, where it's just it, it, he just goes beyond the pale. But that being said, I think he's one of the greatest catchers in baseball history. Right? He does have he does have a little of the kind of old school, like I'm the big guy on top of the hill. You young whippersnappers right. need to show risk. You know, he has a little of that. But man, I don't know. I I, I was watching that. I was watching that uh, video replay of the argument and everything. And Lavulo comes out, he's yelling at the umpire, and he's pointing directly at Molina. Molina's just standing there like, I'm doing my job. Get the fuck out right, of here. What are, you, right. what, are you, what are you screaming about? And finally, I think, you know, two times is too many times. Yeah, agreed. And, uh, and, you know, so I thought it was an unfair suspension, too. Because Lavulo got a day and, and and Molina got a day, and I thought that was unfair. Well, as you alluded to in the show notes, maybe that's what Lavulo's uh, intent was was to try to take Molina out. You know, it's kind of yeah. it's kind of a uh, a rook for a queen type of a move, and uh, yeah. and you know it, it is what it is. I just it's just interesting that baseball in its first couple of weeks, which has had um, some uh, weather issues. And we'll talk about the attendance in a, in a moment here. Um, it, it just, people seem to be on the chip a little bit, a little bit on edge. Yeah. Yeah. People are pissed off. I don't know. Maybe it's the Trump presidency. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I don't think it's I that. Wanna, I want to mention also a rookie who's doing some wonderful work. His name is Shohei Otani. And uh, it looks like he can play this game. 
and probably putting him in the minors to start the season would not have been the best idea. So, well, I got I've got to come in and say I was completely wrong on this guy because if you listen to me in the preseason, I was hearing stuff out of the Angel camp that he could not hit a curveball, that's not correct, and that yeah. his that he couldn't uh defeat the Mexican national team who scored like, you know, nine runs on him. Yeah. And if I wasn't so dumb, I would think, you know, uh Otani are uh are you were you playing possum with us? Was this just kind of like a yeah. joke? Because it's extraordinary what he's been able to accomplish on both sides of, of the game, both pitching and hitting. He he was a big contributor at the, on the offensive side yesterday. Of course, he he's hitting home runs. I mean, he's he's he's, so he's toe takes the rubber this afternoon. Uh, so. It, I, he nearly threw a no hitter. Yeah, you know, this is great for baseball. Uh, I, I wish him nothing but the greatest of success because, like I said, but it also the Angels are really benefiting from this guy yeah, um, because are. if you look at their record, I believe they're 12 and three. There's a handful of teams that are really, really doing well uh, in the major major leagues. Boston is one of them. The Mets, of course, are. But there's one team that is doing really poorly based on how how uh, based on expectations, yeah, and that would be the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Los Angeles yeah. Dodgers last in their division, and they're one of the bottom four or five teams from a statistics standpoint in the major. You could say what you want about the Yankees. The Yankees basically are a middle; of, in the, they're in the middle of the pack statistically, except their team ERA is horrible. But but the the Dodgers aren't doing anything right. Last night, Rich Hill well, got roughed up. Well, that's that's really interesting, and and they they miss Justin Turner, who broke his wrist earlier in spring training. They miss him on offense. But the other thing with the Dodgers is their bullpen, which had been so dominant, is now extremely suspect. Yes. And uh, and and they have taken a step backwards. Um, you know, if you're a Dodger fan, you hope that doesn't continue. I'm sort of indifferent. Me too. But, uh, but it is contrary to the expectation. So, uh, all right. So let's move on. We've had our little appetizer. Let's move on to the main course. And that is the Jekyll and Hyde Chicago Cubs. Right. Uh, feast or famine, agony or ecstasy. Yep. You know, they, they've, they've been, they're, they're a seven and seven. And to this point, they've been one and one, two and two, three and three, four and four, five and five, and six and six. They've never gotten more than one game above or below 500. They win one, they lose one. You know, what's going on? So I have some theories on this. As I started, you know, you notice me, I, I tend to uh, fret on a game by game level over the Cubs. And a lot of times it's just out of frustration. Um, I did last year because the, you know, when, when you're the defending world champions, I expect certain types of performance in the wake of those championships. And last year at this time, they were not delivering this year, this year, they're struggling even more. However, yesterday they had a magical game in the sense that they they were getting their butts kicked. They were down by eight runs. They scored nine in the bottom of the eighth. On yeah. three hits, on three hits, te- yeah. you know they bat they batted around by errors and walks. It, I, maybe it says more about the Braves, who are again an up and coming team. They've got some great young talent, but you know I, I think when you look at uh, the Cubs up to this point, it really comes down to two words: Anthony Rizzo. Because of Rizzo's absence out of that lineup, they are damn near the top in leading the majors in men left on base. And so really? it, it, their, their pitching is, is, a, is average or above average, ultimately, I mean, even though you can make a case that their starting uh, starters are off to a slower start. Their bullpen is the second best in the majors, 
uh, from a statistic every, standpoint. Every starting pitcher has had a, had a moment where they pitched either really well or really badly. And, and so I really think that I've said this for years, the pitchers don't really hit their groove until the end of May and June. The hitters have a huge advantage right now. You're seeing that across baseball with double-digit football-like scores. And yesterday's 14-10 to 10 game uh, is a perfect example of that. But when you look at the Cubs, they're um, – offensively, they've made some slight improvements as a team versus last year, which means Chili Davis has had a positive <coughs> impact on uh, the Cubs to a certain degree. The, I, I'm, and so that's why I come back to Anthony Rizzo. They need a guy like Rizzo to, to help move some of these runners and drive some of these runners in. Now, my concern with Rizzo is prior to him going on the DL, he was, he was having a really tough time. And I know that his back was killing him. Just so you know, your back doesn't get better in two weeks. I don't care what anybody says. If, there, if this is an issue, I'm just I'm slightly concerned that this could impact him for the year. And if it does, then the Cubs, I think, the, the Cubs are not going to be – I don't think they'll win the division, and they may not even make the playoffs. That's how important of a guy – it's kind of like if you lose a Bryant. Bryant's their best hitter. And if you take Bryant off of their offense, it's not very good. you got Contreras, and Baez is still batting 200. Schwarber, well, he's Schwarber. Um, yeah. He's, and I mean, and he's Hayward, be... Hayward, I'm sorry. I know you were a, a stud outfielder, and you had a pretty good day yesterday, but 200 is not going to get it for a right fielder at the major league level. I'm sorry. You just got a bat back. But... I think I think batting averages. It's 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 bad to look at batting averages at this point of the season. I'm actually encouraged by a lot of the things I'm seeing, especially Hayward. You know, Hayward is is contributing offensively a little bit. I'm sort of uh, impressed. Schwarber seems to be getting back on track. But you know who is I think their most underrated player and underappreciated player? It's Wilson Contreras. That guy, uh, what he does behind the plate, what he does at the plate. He's a tremendous hitter. He drives and runs. He is the straw that stirs the Cubs' drinks. I mean, it, it'll be good to get Rizzo back, and you make a great point that without him, they're really playing on three legs. Right, but, right. But, but I think that they could. It, it, it would be harder for them to lose Contreras for an extended period of time than Rizzo, I think. Uh, well, I, I, I will have to agree to disagree. I think Contreras is great. Make no mistake about it. But I, if you want to know who is the, who is the uh, straw that stirs the drink, it's Javi Baez. As poorly as he, wow. he's hitting overall, when you see this guy get on first, steal second, steal third, and then steal home, yeah. I mean, yeah. there really is as great as Contreras is, and you're right, he, is, he may be the most well-rounded player as far as offensive and defensive, uh, def- defensively, both uh, Contreras and Baez need to be more patient at the plate and Baez more so than Contreras. Uh, but when Baez connects, when he, when he puts the ball in play, he's electric, go, he's yeah. electrifying it, yeah. on the base really pass. Is. And so yeah. that's a really good issue that, uh, or, or a good problem for the Cubs to have. I still think that without Rizzo, they're, they're, they're in big trouble. Now let's just talk about Schwarber for a second, because I do think that Schwarber is the real Jekyll and Hyde on the team. He is a, uh, uh you know, he is a, uh, a perfect example 
of uh, of what of, of the, how the Cubs are actually as a team. It, 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 you could just say it, it, it's Schwarber because uh, Schwarber, it, it just seems like it's feast or famine with that guy all, all the way around. And also, I have to give credit where credit is due. I actually saw him make a couple this past week of decent defensive plays in the outfield. You know, he had a sliding hit, catch down the right, line. Right, right. Yeah. And, and he chased the ball that went out of bounds that he was all over. If he'd had a, a few more steps, he would have caught it. So I got to give credit where credit is due. I just think that, that you know, I, the Sparky Anderson starts to appear in my head. And I start to think, like, what Sparky would deal with Schwarber, which is he would only bat him against right-handed pitchers, period. He would never bat him against left-handed hitters unless there was a pitching change in the game and he had to keep him in the game. Otherwise, Schwarber would be a situational player, which brings me back to my whole issue with Hayward and his – hopefully Hayward continues and he can get his batting average up to 260, 270. That would be a huge success. Defensively, he's a stud. But I think – that they've got a real issue with Hap leading off and his very low on base percentage. It rivals what Schwarber was doing last year at this time. And you could talk about the last 14 games all you want, but the fact about it not mattering to you, but it does matter to the Boston Red Sox, the New York Mets, and, and the Angels, and some of these other teams that are off to really good starts. It matters to those teams, let me tell you. And if you go back and look at all the World Series champions for the last 20 years, they didn't start out by winning two or three games out of their first 14. None of them. So you can you can you can dice this any way you want. The fact of the matter is is that you know we haven't even talked about Justin Wilson, and and I wish yeah. I witnessed it firsthand. Justin Wilson is the modern day Justin Grimm. He, he's a <laughs> he's a left uh, he's a left handed pitcher, and that's the only reason why he's in the major leagues. It kind of goes back to the Danny Jackson effect that I used to call it back in the early '90s. The only reason why hold on, hold on. The only reason why Danny Jackson was in the majors is because he was a left-handed pitcher. Would but do you, was he this bad with the Tigers? No, was but he, no, mean, but the Tigers fleeced the Cubs. They, what what Wilson did is Wilson had a decent run of about a month where he was the he was uh, uh, ordained as the closer and did a fairly decent job. Uh, and they turned it into their third baseman of the next 10 years. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that Avila uh, or Avila, as he repronounced his yeah. name once he joined the Cubs, which is bizarre. Um, it, I thought he was going to become the next uh, David Ross. And it just didn't, right. it didn't turn out that way. Didn't turn out that way. Maybe they just weren't willing to pay him. I want to talk real fast about Javi Baez, how in uh, against Pittsburgh, he, he had come off games where he'd hit two home runs in two different games, and he had an issue where he popped up, and then he threw his bat really high in the air. Right, Batista and, style. And, Batista style. And, uh, and Clint Hurdle, the Pirates manager, kind of called him out in the postgame yeah. press conference, and he said that he didn't like that, and he said that the Cubs needed to take care of this in-house and blah, blah, blah. But what he was unaware of and what a lot of us didn't know about is that right after it happened, Pedro Strope, of all people, went up to Baez and said, hey, you got to stop doing that. That looks bad. We're pros out here. Right. You can't look like a petulant little kid. Yeah. And, and then Baez apologized about it. And then all the reporters were like, well, did you, hear what, uh, you know, did you hear what Clint Hurdle had to say about you? And then, you know, so he has to respond to what Hurdle says. And Madden has to respond. And it's just the biggest non-issue I've ever seen. It is yeah. – yeah, it, it's the press trying to stir things up 
to have an influence, to give them a story to write about so they can take their little quotes and say, well, he said this and he said that. And yeah. it's just so stupid. It, well, it's one it, thing I hate. Yeah, I, I, got some, I got some strong opinions on this. I wouldn't do much to curtail uh, Javi Baez, no, no way. No, he, yeah, he's no way. he's a, he's a, an energy force. You see it in other sports where they try to take players and take their personality, particularly in football. They've done a they've done a really bad job of trying to take the personalities out of out of out of the game. But I think Clint Hurdle, shut the hell up. I mean, honestly, I you, I your your team is playing well right now. You've won zero as a manager, zero. You, you Matt, you couldn't hold Madden's jockstrap. So yeah. the fact of the matter is. You're right. It's a complete non-event, and you're also right. Baez, tone it down like one percent, but not. But don't. <laughs> you know, it, 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 I, I, I think that what Baez does on the baseball field is electrifying, and we haven't seen yeah. a guy like that uh, really sent to me since Ozzie Smith from a defensive yeah. standpoint. A guy that's that. Uh, gifted and and he thinks so quickly on his feet. That's the one reason why he's such a great base runner is that he's a step ahead of everybody else. Uh, Deshays no, right. has been pointing that out for a while, and he's a hundred percent right that if you watch Baez, he's like a sec. It, it's like a, 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 a watching one of those old Japanese uh, films where the, the 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 lips don't match up with the dialogue. You know, Baez has that kind of a, a slight advantage that allows him to take bases at other play, players can't take that coupled with his youth and his speed i would be yeah. very leery about trying to, to harness him too much yeah no you're right no he's very uh he he's, he anticipates things better than anybody you know it's a great thing that his instincts are so honed and so tuned right so um let's let's okay so we're sort of that's all for the cubs this yeah. week although we do want to get to your trip to wrigley right, field right. but uh i want to uh, i want to bring up a, a you know this subject that you sort of talked about earlier and that's uh, does major league baseball have an attendance problem and you have some numbers to share with yeah you, you know so breaking so what's precipitated this was that um the one of the very first white Sox games it could have been the the opening white Sox games and granted the weather was horrible but there was weather nine, has been off there was yes. 954 people that went through the gates that day yeah, um yeah. which by the way is not the record the, the, the montreal has the record the old montreal team had like 330 people um that paid to see uh, an expo game. Uh, but, but anyways, so all of 2016, there were two teams that averaged under 20,000 fans every single game, all 81 of their home games. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. The Cincinnati Reds and the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, I, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's not those two teams. I think it's oh. – it's, it's, here's a weird thing. It's a, it's a Miami team. And it may be uh, in a Pittsburgh team, um, but uh, but but Cincinnati's close to the bottom. So last year there were three teams that throughout the course of the year averaged less than twenty thousand fans every single day. Wow. This year there's almost ten teams that are under twenty thousand. Now you have to take it with a grain of salt with the weather factor, but <coughs> but two of those teams are Florida teams. Both Tampa Bay and Miami, who's who's the worst team? That's in t that Miami is is averaging twelve thousand fans at home and like thirteen thousand on the road. So people don't people don't only dislike them in their hometown; they dislike them on the road as well. Yeah, uh, right. So right. It, it's too early. This is where the fourteen days are. It is too early to tell. But I think I'm I'm just slightly concerned when you look that the number one team 
historically has been the Dodgers because they have the most capacity and there's they're they're down big time and part of it is they're not playing very well. The number one team, both at home and the road, is the Giants. They're, the Giants are drawing the best. Giants are drawing thirty nine thousand fans on the road. I love it on love the road. And, and the Cubs, who have been one of the best road teams, certainly after they won the World Series, they were the best team all year that particular year. Are down slightly there as well. So well, you, yeah, they they're down. But you went to the game. I mean. You, you, you went to the game recently, and, and the weather has been so bad here. You know, no doubt. You can't play in this. No, you know. no doubt. But again, two of the 10 teams are Florida teams. That's part. I mean, Tampa's not drawing well either. No, and, you're right. And, you're and right. Cincinnati, who historically, you went to a, a no hitter where there, you were there with like four or five other people. You were asking yeah, the players right. to keep it down. They were talking too loud. Yeah, that, uh, that was a big problem. I remember that. Yeah, so. but but they're not the worst. They're kind of the middle of the of the lower tier teams that are struggling. My point is is that I, if we didn't have a baseball contract, baseball would be in big trouble. I'm telling you no, that and, right now. And 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 these teams make most of their money from uh, from the television contracts and revenue share and whatever exists. You know, attendance is secondary in terms of. But I think it I think it is significant that uh, attendance is down in a lot of these markets. You know, Miami is such a big market for them to draw so few really speaks to how badly they've treated their fans. All right. So let's move on. I want to talk about you. You have beaten me to a Cubs game this year. Which game did you go to? <laughs> I went to the game that Hendricks pitched on uh, Thursday uh, afternoon against the uh, the hard charging uh, Bucks, the, the, the Pirates. Um and uh, th- if you remember on this day, there was a window, just like there was yesterday, of, of time when it wasn't supposed to rain. So it was kind of a uh, – going into it, it was supposed to be a nasty day. Well, it turned out to be a beautiful day. It was almost 70 degrees when the first pitch was thrown, but it got progressively colder um, towards the end of the game. I stayed for yes. most of the game. I left right before the ninth when I felt the game was out of hand. The Cubs, uh, Wilson had given up a three-run homer, and it, it, right. it looked pretty bad. But actually, I was sitting in the 500 section. I took some photos and posted them on Facebook. It's because I have a, a, a gigantic uh, lens that I was able to pull those pictures. But my point of it is, is the new netting that they've set up ruined every one of my pictures. You can't you – can't, you can't see through it. Correct. And, and as good as that camera is, and those pictures were really, really good, uh, it, it just – it's kind of annoying to see that netting uh, on every single picture. Um, so that was one thing. You, you wanted to know how the – was the ballpark experience? The, I'm talking about the configuration of the seats on the lower level. How is that different? I How think is the dugout different? I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. I'm embracing it. Um you know, the, the dugout is much bigger, but it also looks like a professional dugout that you see in some of the larger markets, which the Cubs should have that. I, I Let's put it this way. If I didn't know anything and I hadn't been to a game in three or four years, I don't know that I could tell much of a difference. Now, if I okay. hadn't been, and if I hadn't been to a game in 20 years, I could tell a big difference, obviously, yeah. because of the screen and all that stuff. But the most... Uh, changes to the aesthetics were, were have already been done so these like it's entirely possible that if we didn't know what happened you might, wouldn't have noticed you, you might not have known you would have said hey wait a minute the, the, the dugout looks bigger that's for sure that's a that's a that's a known issue but and it's more down the line isn't it it's yes more, yes you know. yes yes and they did something very interesting which is they created these children's seats for schools um where 
you know, quite frankly, fat, large, wide bodies like myself could never fit into them. And, mo and, mo and you, you will struggle with it as well. These seats are primarily for kids. And I thought that that was, wow. a, there's not many of them, but it, but it's, there's just little things like that, that have me encouraged about the future. Um, there is a sandwich there that now costs $18 um, oh, that um, is like a chicken sauce. There's a sausage with chicken nuggets on top of it. it. It looks pretty gross, to be honest with you. But I saw quite a few people partaking. So from a food standpoint, the concessions, and I photographed a bunch of, of, of the new concessions, it, it looks pretty nice. It's hard to recognize that old um what that looked like 20 years ago when I was a season ticket holder in the early nineties, it rivaled tiger stadium for being as, for being bad. I mean, the terrible you know, food. Yeah. And the, the tiger's food was actually better than the Cubs food. The Cubs, the Cubs hot dog was one of the worst in the majors. In my opinion, that's not the case anymore. They've completely uh, changed that for the better. Um, and so, you know, overall, it was a really great experience, except for what, you know, the end result of that particular game was until Wilson came into the game, I should say. But once you get outside of the ballpark, I just wanted to talk that for a couple of seconds. You're starting to see across the street from Addison and, and Sheffield there where they're building this big restaurant. And, and, you're, and, and it's a shell of a building right now, but you can see what's right. going to happen. Basically, if you have a window seat in that restaurant, you're going to have a view of the field, which that's, wow. that's pretty cool. So um, it, is, it, it, it is a fortress. Like once you're inside of uh, Wrigley Land, whatever they're going to start the, to call the, that, yeah, the, the, the block. you, you yeah. definitely are in a fortress area. But it, it, it's not a bad experience. I have to say that uh, kudos to uh, – to the uh, ownership of the Cubs for um, doing what had to be done to bring the Cubs into the 21st century and doing it in a way that, at least for me as a, as a traditionalist, it's, it's not really stepping on my feet too much, not too much. <coughs> well, good. I'm glad to hear that the Cubs are on solid ground. Uh, we are out of time here on In the Wheelhouse, and I just want to give a shout out for our email address. If you have any questions or comments, let us know what you think at you are in the wheelhouse at gmail.com. Have a good one, Tom.